title of my message this morning is struck down but not destroyed struck down but not destroyed and um, if I was to if you leave this place only thinking about the fact that hey geez do you realize I'm about to get struck down then uh, somewhere somewhere along the line I've, I've, I've sort of uh, missed the mark um, my emphasis this morning is not is not the part of your or I being struck down uh, it's not for me to emphasize the affliction it's not for me to emphasize the persecution or the opposition that you will face and that in fact I faced this morning that's gonna happen anyway that's gonna happen because you and I are, are followers of Jesus if he was persecuted what's the reason why you and I won't be persecuted amen the mere fact that you and I have said Lord I surrender all I want to follow you I want to be a Christian I want to be Christ like just by that mere uh, truth alone you and I will face opposition you and I will be persecuted and you and I will be struck down but that's not the emphasis of my message this morning amen the emphasis of my morning uh, of my message this morning is that you will not be destroyed you will not be destroyed yes opposition will come your way yes affliction will come your way yes life will happen but you will not be destroyed having done all when the tornado when the whirlwind when the earthquake has come and passed you'll still be standing you will not be destroyed turn to someone and tell them you will not be destroyed tell to, turn to someone and tell them you will not be crushed Turn to someone and tell them, you will not despair. Turn to someone else and tell them, you will never be abandoned. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. So my message is based on 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and verse 9. We all know the scripture. We've heard it so many, so many times. Where essentially what Paul states and, and what he informs us as, as followers of Jesus as he says we will be opposed we will face what paul refers to as some light afflictions and i like that term light afflictions no matter what i'm going through no matter what it seems like on the outside no matter what it seems like in the natural i choose to call those light afflictions so we will go through some light afflictions because we are followers of jesus we'll be persecuted for his namesake we won't be persecuted because we're cute. We won't be persecuted because we're young or because we're old. We won't be persecuted because we're rich or because we're poor. We'll be persecuted for his name's sake. And again, that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with someone having a problem with me because they know that I serve and I follow and I love Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. So I'm excited. I'm excited this morning. And I want to dive right in, but we're going to start a little bit earlier in 2 Corinthians. So we're going to start off with 2 Corinthians chapter 1, reading verse 3 to verse 5 initially. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up, you can follow, follow along with me. This is 2 Corinthians 1, reading from verse 3 to verse 5. Blessed, gratefully praised and adored, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Just stop there and think about that for a moment. He's the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He's the father of mercies and he's the God of all comfort who comforts us and encourage us, 
encourages us in every trouble so that we will be able to comfort and encourage those who are in any kind of trouble with the comfort with, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Verse 5, For just as Christ's sufferings are ours in abundance as they overflow to his followers, there's the confirmation of what I've just been saying, so also our comfort for our reassurance, our encouragement and our consolation is abundant through Christ. It is truly more than enough to endure what we must. This is a powerful, powerful passage of scripture. God is the father of mercies. This is in stark, stark contrast to Satan who we all know is the father of lies. So whenever there are any lies, wherever there are any, whenever there's any misrepresentation, wherever there's any thoughts that are not your own, that are negative towards God's plan and purpose in your life, you know, you don't even need to think about it. You don't even need to, to ask the question. You know who's the author of that lie. You know who the father of lies is. And you can put him in his place right there and then. And you can say, Satan, get thee behind me. Because I know who you are. I know your nature. I know your character. I know what you're able to give birth to. You are the father of lies. Similarly, it's, it's so encouraging. It's so wonderful to know that the God that we serve is the father of mercies. Whatever, whatever I might be going through, whatever type of mercy I need for the situation or the circumstance I find myself in, guess what? It's already there in him. It's already there locked up in him. Every single thing that I need, every type of mercy is already in him. Not just every type of mercy. Not only are his mercies new every morning and not only are they mercies plural, but every kind, all kinds of comfort is also in him because he's the God of all comfort. So when I'm going through what I'm going through, I don't even need to pick up the phone. I don't even need to call up Sally Ann or call up Pastor Paul and say, guys, you know what, man, I'm just feeling like I just need, I'm just going through some stuff and I just need, I just need a little bit of comfort. He's the God of all comfort. Now you can do that. That's okay. It's cool, I'll give you a hug over the phone. You can do that, you can call me up, it's fine. But what am I saying to us this morning? I'm saying that when you go through the things that you go through, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't lean on the arm of flesh, for the arm of flesh will surely fail you. You have someone who, who lives on the inside of you. You have a God who resides on the throne room of your heart, who you can literally tap into. Like a branch tapping into the true vine, you can tap into all types of comfort and all types of mercy. Because he's the father of all mercies. He stands as the father. He stands as the source. He stands as the author of compassion, of kindness, of understanding, of well-being, of all ease and all comfort. It's so important that we know who Father God is because it's easier for you to ask for comfort and well-being when you know that God is the God of all comfort. God comforts and encourages us in every kind of trouble and we in turn as those who are Christ-like and made in his image are able to essentially do the same. 
So because we've been comforted with all comfort, because we've received all sorts of mercies from on high, when we see our brother or our sister going through something, we're able to replicate. We're able to do the same. We're able to impart to them those mercies, that comfort. And it comes easy. You know what's happening here? You know what's happening here? It's called discipleship. Literally, as you go through the stuff that you go through, God comforts you. And not only does he comfort you, but he teaches you how to comfort others. He disciples you. You want to be discipled by the, by the who's who in the, in the Christian community? Man, I want to be discipled by Jesus himself. I want to be discipled by the Lord himself. I want to be discipled on how to comfort others by the God of all comfort. Are you with me this morning? You see, I'm here to say to you, and I'm here to say to myself, that Jesus, as the all-sufficient one, has within him and gives to you and I truly more than enough. More than enough. He'll never put more on you than you're able to handle. But not only will he never put more on you than you're able to handle, but he'll also continuously resource you with more than enough. More than you need. So whatever you're going through, whatever affliction, whatever opposition, whatever persecution, you've already been resourced with more than enough to come out on the other side. Hallelujah, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1, again, but this time reading verse 8 and verse 10. For we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about our trouble in the West Coast province of Asia how we were utterly weighed down beyond our strength I want you to make a mental note in your mind our strength our strength not God's how we were utterly weighed down beyond our own strength so that we despaired even of life itself I want you to make that connection we were weighed down beyond our own strength and because we were leaning and relying on our own strength, we got to the point where we were despaired even, beyond, even to the point of saying, maybe it's better that we just die. Indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the sentence of death and we were convinced that we would die. But all of this happened so that we would not so that there would be a turnaround, so that we would not continue to trust in ourselves, but in the God who raises the dead. He rescued us from so great a, a threat of death, and He will continue to rescue us. On Him, see the change, on Him we have now set our hope. No longer relying on our own strength, but now on Him we have set our hope, and He will again rescue us from danger and draw us near this is this is a fantastic passage of scripture because it's so clear to see the turnaround from being in a position where i was feeling like you know what man can 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 i just die already um what i'm going through is so utterly draining that i feel that i don't have the strength within myself anymore can i rather just can, can we rather just end it all from that position to moving to a point where, okay, Lord, I'm now in the situation. I've come to the end of myself, literally. I've got no other choice. I've tried A to Z, 
And now, Lord Jesus, as I stand here, having exhausted all other options, Lord, there's nothing else for me to do but surrender and say, Lord, now I look to you. Now I put my hope in you. And what happens? What does he do? He do what he knows best to do. He rescues me and he rescues me again and he'll continue to rescue me again and again and again. Second Corinthians 1 verse 22 verse 21. For as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are all answered yes. So through him we say our amen to the glory of God. For as many as the promises that are of God and that are in Christ, every single one of them for you are yes. Every single promise, when you open up your Bible this evening, tomorrow, during the course of the week, during our time of prayer and fasting, when you open up your word and you see a promise in there, don't even ask the question, Lord, is this for me? Please don't do that. That's a thought that needs to be brought into captivity. It's not your own. It's a lie from the pit of hell. That's Satan asking Eve, but did God really say that you shouldn't? Promise that you open up and see in his word, every single one is yes for you. Every single promise is yes for you. Every single promise is yours in Jesus' name. And because of that, you can stand in agreement and you can say amen to the glory of my God. You can accept it. You can appropriate it. Appropriate it. You can make it your own because it's yours already. God's promises for your life and my life are always yes and amen regardless. And this is, this is the important part. Regardless of the circumstance and irrespective of the situation. The mistake we often make, I make it myself as well is i look at my current circumstance i look at my current situation and i often say to myself well if i look at what's happening around me the reality the the current situation if i look at where things are right now it's easy for me to say maybe that promise is actually not for me but god's promises for your life and for my life are yes and amen regardless of the current situation regardless of what it is looking like on the outside in the natural right now his promises are yes and amen for you he's not like you and i he is not like man that he should lie what he says he will do he does which is why paul can say what he says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 to verse 9. Let's look at it in the Amplified as well as in the NIV. In the Amplified, we are pressured in every way. We are pressured in every possible way. We are actually hedged in. In other words, on there's pressure coming from every angle. There's pressure from the front. There's pressure from the back. There's pressure from the right and from the left. From, from above and from below. We hedge in. 
but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. We're unsure of finding a way out. We, we seem confused about how to get out of our current, current situation. But we're not driven to despair. We hunted down. The devil, Satan is like a, a roaring lion walking around, prowling around, seeking who we may devour. He's on the hunt. We hunted down and persecuted, but we haven't been deserted to stand alone. We are struck down, but we are never, ever, 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 ever destroyed. Reading from the NIV. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. It's very easy to read that passage of scripture and completely miss not one, not two, not three, but four but nots. In that passage of scripture, there are four but nots. There's stuff happening in your life right now, but you are not crushed. There's things going on at work right now, but you're not driven to despair. You're being hunted down by those who persecute and accuse you. Satan being the accuser of the brethren. But you haven't been deserted to stand alone. You haven't been abandoned. You might even be struck down. And we'll see from scripture right in, in, in a short while. You may even be struck down repeatedly. Even when you've been struck down repeatedly. Guess what? You're still not destroyed. Are you ready? Can we go there? Hallelujah Jesus. So the question means, or the question is, what does this mean for me as a Christian? As a believer, as someone washed in the blood of Jesus, what does this all mean for me? Will we as believers be under pressure at times? Will we go through moments, times, even seasons where we feel under pressure? Will we get confused at times? Will we face harsh criticism during our walk with Christ? Will we get knocked down sometimes? The answer to all of the above is yes, at times. The trick or the key is to not confuse that temporary moment in time with your eternal destiny. You see, there'll be a moment in time, there'll be a space in time, There'll be a point in time where Stuart Ashton Bishop will be knocked down. But at that point, when I'm on the canvas, on the floor, bleeding from the mouth, I need to remind myself that this moment in time does not determine my destiny in Jesus. Are you with me this morning? Hallelujah, Jesus. First one. We do not and will not buckle under the pressure. The first portion of the scripture says we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed. The scripture does not say that we are merely pressed. It's one thing to be pressed. I'm pressed for time. I feel pressurized. We're not just pressed but we are pressed on every single side and not just pressed on every single side and from every single angle but hard pressed. That's the type of pressure that had, you not, had it not been that you were in Christ, 
could possibly have driven you crazy. When you're hard-pressed with that type of pressure from every single angle, from every which way, that's the type of pressure that were, you, were it not for the fact that you are in Jesus Christ, you quite possibly could have been driven crazy. Like David who at one point in time has his enemies encamped all around him. In other words, on every single side. Psalm 3, verse 5 and verse 6, reading from the NIV. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. Beautiful. I will not fear even though tens of thousands assail me on every side. This is a bit of a confusing scripture for me. Because I can't understand if this was me, I wouldn't be saying, man, I lie down and I sleep. I take a snooze. I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear. I will not fear. Even though tens of thousands are assailing me on every single side. Literally, even though I'm surrounded by tens of thousands of my enemies, people who literally want to kill me, I sleep peacefully at night. I sleep without any, without any anxiety. I'm anxious for nothing. I cast my cares on him. I don't have to fear. Because I know that he's literally got my back. And remember, in those days, in those times, it wasn't just a case of, geez, you know, there's enemies everywhere. Eh? You need to watch out. There were literally, literally tens of thousands of human beings with swords and spears literally surrounding him, literally trying to kill him, literally trying to take his life. If there's ever one person out there who's out to get me, who's out to end my life, I think I'd feel slightly under pressure. So why can David sleep at night? And why can he wake up peacefully? It's not because of any good thing in him. It's not because of his level of skill as a, as a fighter. It's because he knows who he's got in his corner. Because the Lord sustains me. Because the Lord sustains me. Like, like a, a harvest of grapes being pressed together on every side in a traditional wine press. The pressures that we experience in life can give us a sense of being pressed or squeezed on every side and from every angle. But as children of God, we are not crushed under those enormous pressurizing forces we are at times hard pressed we are at times pushed to the edge we are at times pressed and constrained struggling and feeling as if we are hedged in but by no means are we ever crushed hallelujah jesus first samuel 13 verse 5 and verse 6 now the philistines gathered to fight against Israel 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops in multitude multitude means uh, basically we couldn't even count how many actual troops there were like sand on the seashore 
30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and as many troops as they were like grains of sand on the seashore. They came up and camped at Michmash, east of Bethaven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a tight situation. Have you ever been there? Have you ever seen and realized, Woo! Yeah, I'm in a bit of a tight situation. Here, I'm in a bit of a sticky wicket. Here, the pressure is really on. When the men of Israel saw that they were in a tight situation, for their troops were hard-pressed. We're talking about being hard-pressed. They hid in caves, in thickets, in cellars, and in dry cisterns or pits. The message for you and I is, when we look around and when we see that actually you've submitted your CV for that promotion, it's in-house. When you look around at your team, you see the, you see the 60,000 chariots, you see the, sorry, the 30,000 chariots, you see the 6,000 horsemen, you see the HR manager who doesn't particularly like you. You see within your team, so-and-so who's literally formed a clique against you. You look around within your immediate vicinity and you feel hard-pressed. When you're in that moment, please don't go run and hide. Please don't find a cistern or a pit or a thicket or a cave to go hide in. Please rather choose to do what David did. At that point in time, go to sleep. And sleep well. And when you wake up, do one of those silly posturepedic stretches. You know those ones that said, man, ah, what a beautiful rest. Because you see, when God steps in, doesn't manager, HR manager, whoever he might be, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who's against you at work. Doesn't matter who's plotting and planning and pressing against you within your organization. When God when God shows up, there's absolutely nothing, no reason, no justification for you to worry, to stress, to be anxious, or to fret about anything. He will promote you. He's the one who lifts and brings another down. Hallelujah, Jesus. You know what that means? That means I don't need to lobby with anybody. Hallelujah, Jesus. I don't have to lobby with anyone. I don't need to get in good with anyone. They'll like me and they won't even know why they like me. God will change their hearts around towards me. And they won't even understand why they need to be around me so much. It won't be because of my lobbying. It'll be because God will give me favor with them. The word says he gives us favor with him, with himself, favor with God and with man. He'll give me the favor. There's nothing I need to do. There's no electioneering that I need to do. By the way, don't forget to register. It's literally the last day today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Are we together this morning? Second portion of that passage of scripture speaks about being bewildered and confused. Bewilderment and confusion will not leave us in nor lead us to a sense of hopelessness. We are perplexed 
but we will never ever ever be in despair in other words feeling like the situation is hopeless paul said in romans 8 and 26 that sometimes sometimes we're so confused we're so perplexed we don't see the way out sometimes we don't even know how to pray about the situation that we're in romans 8 and verse 26 in the same way the spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness we do not know what prayer to offer number one or how to even offer it as we should but there's grace but the holy spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words so the reason you and I will never ever find ourselves in a situation where we feel completely hopeless is because even when we are in this perplexing situation, this confusing situation, this situation that we can't even figure out, Lord, how do I even see which way is up from where I'm at? I've gone so, so, so far down that I don't even know which way is up. Even when I find myself in that situation, Lord, and I don't know what to pray or how to pray, even then, Lord, I'll never be hopeless. I'll never be without a hope because even then, the Holy Spirit himself stands up as my mediator, stands up as my interceder and intercedes on my behalf and intercedes with groanings, spiritual groanings, that can only be understood between him and the father wow that's why i'll never be hopeless no matter what i'm going through I'll, it, the situation will never be hopeless there are moments when the pressure is so great and we are so tired and worn out and life has become so confusing that we honestly don't know what to say to the lord when we are confused jesus is not confused when steward is confused his holy spirit is not confused when i'm puzzled and perplexed by life jesus is not confused when i'm bewildered and unsure he's the sure foundation we are not driven to despair because life doesn't depend on our knowledge of the big picture when we are at our wits end god is just getting started when i come to the end of my rope if the corner of this pulpit signifies the end of Stuart's rope when i reach my end right here is where god just gets started this is where he just starts doing his stuff this is where he just starts to get into his stride I don't know when the, when the next Olympics are, but I know they, they're coming up quite soon because wait for Nick, it's been advised by Usain Bolt. Again, just, just information, take it, receive it, it's for free. But he's been advised, you know what? There's another competition coming up before the Olympics. Don't, don't pressure your knee right now. Um, wait until the Olympics. You don't want to injure yourself now. And then with, by the time it's the Olympics, then, then Tololo, you, you, you can't even compete, right? So why am I saying that? watch the olympics whenever they're coming they're coming right so watch the olympics but watch the long distance runners don't watch the sprinters 
Don't watch the sprinters. Watch the long distance runners. What do they do? It's 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 probably the strangest race to watch. Because if you were allowed to place a bet after the second or third or fourth lap, I, I almost can with a hundred percent certainty guarantee you that if you bet on whoever's currently out in front, you will lose. Because that's not the way that long distance running works. Almost every single occasion, there's some guy, I don't know if they pay him to do that or, or what his story is, but there's always one guy who sets the pace for the guys who, who are actually going to win, right? And he's usually way out in front and you think, yo, this dude is like, good, who is he? Let's Google him. And then by the time you get closer to the end of that 5,000 or 10,000 meter, he's most likely the last guy right at the back of the pack. Why? A long distance runner knows it's not about speed, it's about endurance. It's not about now that I've reached this point. That's actually for a long distance runner, that's actually when, when he starts to kick into sports mode. That's actually when he really starts to get into his stride. When the guy who's been leading all along for the first five or six laps around the track, when that guy starts to fade, the true long distance runner starts to really kick into sports mode and he starts to slowly but surely and almost effortlessly, effortlessly starts to glide to the front, glide to the front. Where our effort and our energy comes to an end, that's where Jesus really starts to kick in. That's when he really starts to say, okay, um, nice try. It was good that you tried on your own strength. Now let me show you how it's done. Let me show you how it's done. Hallelujah, Jesus. So we are at times, and I hope you're catching that. I'm not saying to you, you're going to perpetually be facing all sorts of attacks, right? But there are moments in our walk with Jesus Christ. There are those times when we will be perplexed, when we will be mystified and confused, puzzled and astounded confounded and bewildered but throughout those times we will never ever be in despair even when we are so confused and so perplexed that we do not know how to pray or what to say or how to say it we get holy spirit assistance one of the main reasons our confusion will never lead to despair is because of this divine holy spirit assistance the same holy spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 8 and verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, yes he is, he who raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. So we have the very same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead it's the same Holy Spirit giving you and I assistance at those times and in those moments where we feel confused and perplexed. The third portion of their scripture says, we are persecuted but not abandoned. Being actively oppressed and mistreated won't dissuade or deter you and I in our walk with Christ. The Greek word, that's translated persecuted means to pursue as a hunter pursues his game. 
So when we speak about we are persecuted, we're literally being actively hunted. We're literally being actively pursued. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8 to verse 9. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me. I imagine Pastor Taffy sending me a text message and saying, Steward, I'm just going to stay on in this town a little while longer because a fantastic door and opportunity for effective ministry to be, to be done has opened up for me in this town. So I'm going to stay here for a little while longer. But please pray for me because there are also many who oppose me. There are also many who oppose me. Let me say this. Anytime that you make a decision to do something for God, anytime that you make a decision to make an impact for Him in a specific situation, in a specific circumstance, in a specific area of your community, in, in, in a specific area of your family, in your group of friends, anytime you say, hey, I see the opportunity to do a great work, an effective work here, Satan will oppose you. Satan will oppose you anytime that you consciously make a decision to do something for God. When you devote yourself to the cause of Christ, expect that even the people who are quote unquote close to you may not support your decision. That's why it's often said, be careful who you share certain revelations with be careful who you share even even within a within a christian setting be careful who you share some of your visions with be careful because not everyone will support you because anytime you make a decision to to go full out for jesus for god in a specific way in a specific area you're going to meet with opposition the wonderful realization is that in the midst of great opposition, God never leaves us and he never forsakes us. Matthew 28, verse 18 to verse 20. Jesus came up and said to them, we all know the scripture. All authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus speaking. And now he says to them, go, therefore and make disciples of all the nations help the people to learn about me believe in me and obey my words baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe everything that i have commanded you and lo i am with you always and lo i am with you always when you go and you do when you go and you disciple, when you make a decision to go and make an impact in someone's life, in a community, in a family setting, when you decide to do that, even though there will be opposition, lo, God will be with you. Not just sometimes, but all of the times. Remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance and on every single occasion, even to the end of the age. It's like knowing that I'm about to go into this situation where I'm hopelessly outnumbered, yet I know that greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. I know I'm about to be opposed. 
I know I'm about to face direct opposition. But I also know who's standing behind me. I also know I've got this, this secret weapon, this ace in the hole, this can't fail, this God who will never ever leave me and never ever forsake me, who will remain with me perpetually regardless of the circumstance and on every single occasion. I've got the faithful redeemer in my corner, even until the end of time. Remember, 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 bring it to remembrance that you are not alone. Jesus is with you always. You cannot fail because Jesus is with you wherever you go. To those people and to those forces, because we know what we deal with in the spiritual realm, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We know who our fight is against. It's against spiritual wickedness and darkness in high and exalted places. We know who you are, devil. And so to those forces who feel brave enough to oppose you and I in 2019, to them I say and you say, kindly take note that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, the Messiah, who lives inside of me. And that same Jesus is with me in those moments where you dare to consider opposing me. You see, it's not even about you and I. It's all about Jesus. Even when we are rejected, hated, mocked, ridiculed, and vilified, the Lord Jesus is always there with us, regardless of the circumstance. So we are at times persecuted, at times wronged, at times mistreated, at times victimized, at times oppressed, but we never abandoned. We are never, ever abandoned. He's always with us. Matthew 5, verse 10 and verse 11. Reading from the NIV. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Jesus. You actually receive a blessing. When someone stands up and insults you, when someone falsely accuses you, remember, remember who's at work inside of them. It's the accuser of the brethren. It's Satan himself working inside of those individuals as they falsely accuse you. But remember, put a smile on your face. Do the silly posturepedic thing. Why? Because there's actually a blessing that comes your way when people insult you. There's a blessing that comes your way when people persecute you. There's a blessing that comes your way when whatever opposition is coming your way is coming your way because of Jesus. It's coming your way because of the stand that you've taken as a child of the living God. There's a blessing in the midst of the opposition. Hallelujah, Jesus. The last passage or last portion of that passage of scripture says, we are struck down but not destroyed. This is probably my favorite one because, okay, you'll see now why. So not even crushing blows will destroy you and I. Again, we rise. 
I've seen a couple of people who've tattooed, again, I rise or I will rise. I've seen it tattooed on a few people. I wonder if they actually know what it means, number one. Number two, I wonder who's their source when they say, again, I rise. Because I know who my source is. So again, we rise, we struck down. That's not you struck and then you're still wobbling, but you're still on your feet. No, 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 no. You are struck down. You're down, but you're not out. You've been struck down, but you haven't been destroyed. The term struck down refers, refers to the sudden emergency, the unforeseen incident, the late night phone call, the crisis that seems to come out of nowhere, the catastrophe that overwhelms us, the earthquake of trouble that rocks our world in the midnight hour. What do we do when the rain becomes a thunderstorm and the thunderstorm becomes a flood? What do we do? I don't know why I'm thinking of boys to men. You know how I am. So they had a wonderful song. It's a beautiful song. Can we stand the rain? That's again just free information. But what do you do when the rain becomes a thunderstorm and when the thunderstorm becomes a flood? At the place where I work, we have what they call the 100-year flood line. True story. So where we are, we're situated. Uh, we have a bridge that takes us over some or other river. I don't know what the river's name is. But there's a river there. There's a, so there's a river that runs past where I work. And whenever it rains really, really, really hard continuously, um, every now and again, we have to be evacuated. And because of that, there's a, there's a demarcated line. There's a mark that, that indicates the 100-year flood line. In other words, it shows us that in the past 100 years, when it floods over here, this is as bad as it gets. This is how high the water goes. So what they're actually trying to say to us is, guys, don't take a chance. When you, see the, when you see the water level starting to rise, it's gotten this bad in the 100 years. Don't take a chance. Don't roll the dice. Rather, evac everyone, evacuate everyone and get them out of there. And then the alarm goes off and we all start to exit. So what do you do when the floods reach the 100-year flood line? When you've been struck down, what do you do? So... You all know who Mike Tyson is, right? Okay, cool. Great, great. I was, I was just, I had to just check, you know what I mean? Because I was thinking, is there a fighter who maybe only people my age will remember? Or, but okay, so everybody knows Mike Tyson, right? At one point in time, heavyweight champion of the world, right? You know him. Mike Tyson said a lot of questionable things in his life. But, he, but there's actually one thing that he said. One, one quote. He had one moment of brilliance. Hallelujah. He had one moment in the sun where he said the following words, and I quote him. Now, it's a little bit rough because he's a, he's a boxer, right? But just, just picture Mike. I can't do the Mike, Mike Tyson voice. It's squeaky, and I, I won't get it right. Okay. But this is what Mike Tyson said at one point. So he was being interviewed. He was about to fight someone. And people were asking him, you know what? We've, we've heard that, that this particular boxer, this is what he's going to do. And he's got this plan. And this is how he's going to overcome you. And this is his strategy. Mike, these are his plans. What are you going to do? And this was Mike's, Mike Tyson's answer. One sentence. He said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. 
we all have a plan we all know what we're going to do we all say right this is how i'm going to do a b and c we all have a most of us often have a, a five-year plan but what happens when when you've got your five-year plan and then life literally strikes you in the mouth when that unexpected unforeseen thing happens the diagnosis comes through and according to the doctor's report it's cancer what do you do when the rain becomes a thunderstorm the thunderstorm becomes a flood and suddenly you're standing there at the 100 year flood mark and saying i don't know what to do our friends and family will judge our christianity mostly by how we respond when we take it on the chin people who don't know jesus but know that you follow jesus will judge christianity as a whole and make a lot of decisions based on how you and i respond when they see us as christians standing at the 100 year floodline mark when they see how we react in that situation oftentimes they'll say if that's what jesus can do for so and so in that type of situation maybe i should give jesus a try anyone can sing when the sun is shining if you can still sing in the midnight hour then the world will hear you in a different way anyone can sing lord you are good and your mercy is in joy forever when the bank balance is phat fat but when the bank manager calls you up and he's not calling to offer you scones and juice but he's calling to tell you actually a uh, dude uh what's with the overdraft that you suddenly want to give yourself when that happens and you can still say lord you are good and your mercy is in joy forever one of my favorite movie scenes comes from the movie rocky balboa now don't confuse it rocky the first one is just called rocky and then you get rocky 2 and then you get rocky 3 and then you get rocky 4 then it's he made a lot of them he made a lot of them then somewhere along the line when he's a, a lot older he made rocky balboa it's 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 on dstv at the moment right so he was much older and he's having a conversation with his son he's having a conversation with his son because his son is trying to basically con convince him that dad don't you think you should leave this boxing thing alone don't you think that you're too old for this now you're embarrassing me i've got a job i've got colleagues at work who know me and know that you are my dad don't you need don't you think you need to stop this thing isn't it getting a bit dangerous now and this is the conversation that rocky has with his son and i quote now you'll see a lot of american knees in here but just go with it hallelujah this is what he says to his son he says the world the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows it's a very mean and nasty place and i don't care how tough you are it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it you me or nobody is going to hit as hard as life but it ain't about how hard you hit 
It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Winning is not about how hard you can hit. Winning is about how hard you can get hit, but keep moving forward. How much you can take, how much opposition, how many tough blows from life you can sustain and know that the God inside of you is able to keep you moving forward. Keep you pressing on. Hallelujah, Jesus. Proverbs 24 and verse 16. For though the righteous fall seven times, not stumble, fall. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Though the righteous are struck down repeatedly, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. The way that you and I, as children of the Most High God, respond to adversity, respond to being struck down, is that we draw, not from our own energy, not from our own strength, but we draw from the Messiah, supernatural strength, and that allows us to keep moving forward. That allows us to rise once again. As children of God, the emphasis is not on the blows, the emphasis is not on being knocked down. The emphasis is not on us falling seven times. The emphasis is on rising again, putting our hope in God, and continuing to move forward in Christ. Someone say amen. We are at times struck down. At times hit, beaten, battered and bruised, and smashed down to the ground or down to the canvas. But in the midst of all of that, we are never destroyed. Second Kings 13 verse 18 to verse 19. Then he, then he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. And he struck it three times and then stopped. Elisha says to him, strike the ground. He strikes the ground three times and he stops. So the man of God, Elisha, was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Aram or Syria until you had completely destroyed it. But now, because of what you've done, because you only struck the ground three times and then stopped, now you will only strike Aram three times. In other words, you'll strike them, but you won't destroy them. What I love about the scripture is that it clearly demonstrates that in life you can be struck down even repeatedly. Even repeatedly. Even repeatedly and still not be destroyed. Had the king realized that actually what he was doing was actually an indication that, that actually he didn't, he didn't have faith enough to believe that actually this enemy could be utterly destroyed. Had he had that realization before he started striking the ground, 
I'm sure he would have struck the ground continuously. But there's something there for you and I. Even when we are struck repeatedly because of who we have in our corner, you and I will not be destroyed. If someone was to ask me what's the difference between a believer's response to adversity and a non-believer's response to adversity, I would quote them this passage of scripture. Because as believers, when adversity comes our way, we have that bounce back ability. We have that tenacious ability. Like a cork that, though it is pushed underwater countless times, relentlessly, tenaciously, repeatedly, it keeps coming back up to the surface. No matter how many times you take that cork, and no matter how many times you submerge it underwater, and no matter how long you keep it there, the minute you release whatever it is that's holding it in place, the first thing that that cork does is it rises back up to the surface once again. It's got that bounce back ability. It's very nature, and I'm here to say to us this morning, our very nature is that we will not be kept down. You see, it's okay for us to be knocked down. It's okay for you and I to be bleeding on the canvas of life. It's okay for you and I to be there trying to catch our second wind. It's okay to be knocked down. But you and I, because of who we have living on the inside of us, will not be kept down. As a child of the king, I'm here to declare to you that when life happens, when the enemy comes in, when opposition arises, when your enemies are encamped all around you, you will not be kept down. Another way of saying what Paul says in the book of 2 Corinthians is to say that we are not circumstance controlled. As children of the Most High God, we're not controlled by the circumstance that we find ourselves in. When our situations are pressured, perplexing, opposition filled, or when we are struck down when life happens, we do not become situation or circumstance controlled, serving him or praising him any less we don't serve him less we don't give any less we don't worship or praise him with any less vigor or any less fervor in fact in fact if anything we praise him all the more we worship him all the more we declare his goodness all the more in the midst of of direct opposition from the enemy our hallelujah becomes stronger our hallelujah becomes louder we go to a deeper place. We go into warfare. In fact, we march into the enemy's camp and we take back what is stolen from us. We become warlike. We become tenacious. Even more so. The more that we are opposed by the enemy, the more he rises up against us. The more we rely on the Holy Spirit who like a flood raises up the standard for us. Second Corinthians 4, verse 15 to verse 18. 
For all these things are for your sake. So that as God's remarkable, undeserved grace reaches to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of our great God. All of the things that you go through, all of the things that you and I go through, we go through these things so that it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of our God. As you go through A, and as you get the victory, as you come out on the other side like pure gold, what do you do? You do what that one leper did who came back. You give thanks, don't you? You give thanks for the victory that you've received. And so as we go through the stuff that we go through, the challenges, the opposition, the floods, the storms, the raging winds and waves, when we come out on the, under, on the other side better and stronger, we give thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Had it not been for you, Lord, I wouldn't have made it. Hallelujah, Jesus. You rescued me now. You continue to rescue me. You'll rescue me in the future. Thank you, Jesus. We give thanks. Thanksgiving is increased to the glory of our God. Verse 16. Therefore we do not become discouraged, spiritless, disappointed or afraid. Though our outer self is progressively wasting away anyway. Yet our inner self, our spirit man is being progressively renewed day by day. For our momentary, temporary light distress, light affliction, this passing trouble. It's not trouble that stays, guys. It's not, it's not trouble that builds, builds a house and, and, and opens up, a, you know, those front opposite. We call it front opposite. You're in my yard, but you're actually in the front, but at the back. Uh, it's not that type of situation. The trouble that comes doesn't come to build a little rendezvous on your property. It's not there to permanently stay. This passing trouble is doing something. It's performing a function. It's producing something. It's producing for us an eternal weight of glory. A fullness beyond all measure. Surpassing all comparisons. A transcendent splendor and an endless blessedness. Wow. Wow. And wow again. As we go through the tests and the challenges of life and we overcome them, it increases our thanksgiving levels. We give increased amounts of thanks to our God. The Bible declares that we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers in Christ. As we conquer, as we rise again, as we refuse to be kept underwater, as we display that bounce back ability, as we conquer and overcome in Christ, we become more and more thankful, more and more grateful to the God and Father of our salvation who keeps on coming through for us and keeps on giving us the victory. When life happens and when you are persecuted for following and believing in Jesus and when you see those troubles as momentary, as temporary and as light afflictions, as passing troubles, then you know that you know that you know who's in your corner. It's the only way that you can have that view. The only way that you can say to cancer, I see who you are. You momentary trouble. You passing trouble. You momentary affliction. The only way you can say that is when you know who you know is standing behind you. That the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the El Shaddai, the Elohim, Jehovah your healer, who has every single thing you need inside of him, 
lives on the inside of you. I bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me blesses the Lord who lives inside me. I'm blessing this great God, but it's not out there somewhere. He's living on the inside of me. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are looking not at what is seen, but what is unseen. We are focusing on the endless blessedness. Man, I love that. I love that. We're focusing on the endless blessedness. There's no end to this blessedness, man. I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I go out. I'm blessed when I come in. I'm blessed regardless of my circumstance. It's endless blessedness, man. And this eternal weight of glory that goes beyond all measure. I'm focusing on the eternal stuff of life that really matters and not the temporary earthly stuff that comes to pass anyway. Jesus having a conversation with Peter in Luke 22 about how Satan desires to sift him. Luke 22 verse 31. Simon, Simon, Peter, listen. This is Jesus speaking. Satan has demanded permission to sift all of you. To sift you like grain. But I have prayed, especially for you, Peter. I've prayed that your faith and your confidence in me may not fail. And that you, once you've turned back again to me, will strengthen and support your brothers in the faith. And of course, Peter gave the answer that all of us would give. Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. I'll go wherever, do whatever. I've got your back, Jesus. And of course, Jesus, knowing what he knows, looks at him again and says, I say to you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will utterly deny me three times you'll utterly deny that you ever knew me not just once not just twice but three times in other words peter you're going to find yourself on three occasions struck down but you won't be destroyed you won't be destroyed look at what jesus says in verse 31 once you have turned back again to me hey this is jesus having a conversation with peter saying peter you're going to mess up you're going to fail. You're going to deny ever knowing me three times. But I'm so confident, Peter, that you will come back to me. You'll be struck down three times, Peter, but you won't be destroyed. If, you were, if, it, if it were that you were going to be destroyed, you wouldn't have an opportunity to come back to me. But Peter, I'm declaring, I'm prophesying to you right now, that even after you deny ever knowing me, even after that, situation that you can't even imagine as you stand here right now because you're professing that you'll go to the ends of the earth with me we'll go to prison together we'll die together i'm saying even when you come to that realization in that moment in time in that temporary situation when you realize what have i just done i've just denied jesus the savior on three separate occasions when you're in that moment peter don't worry You'll be struck down, but you won't be out. You won't be destroyed. You'll come back. You'll return to me once again. And not only will you return to me, but you'll also strengthen and encourage your brothers. Wow. Wow. I'm going to end with, with a little story that I, that I heard shared once before quite some time ago was actually shared by uh, another brother in Christ um, from back home. 
and he shared the story with me and I want to share it with you as well because because it really just sums up it, it sums up our response your response and my response as children of God to adversity and so the story goes that one day a farmer's donkey had fallen into an abandoned well right and you know what you know what a well is right where we draw water out of so there was an abandoned empty well it obviously didn't have any water in it anymore and for whatever reason however this had happened the, the donkey had managed to fall into this well and so of course it was it was his beloved his beloved animal it probably gave him lots of years of service and so he felt you know how people feel about their pets right you, you know you, you know you know how it is when when something happens to to our pet at home we almost feel like we can almost feel like it's happened to like a family member of ours right and so he tries everything within his power he even calls people around the area to please try to assist him to get this this donkey out of the well but by the time the sun is about ready to go down all of their efforts have failed and and there's nothing they can do and all that happens is they they just hear this donkey wailing ever louder and ever louder and ever louder as it becomes more and more distressed and so eventually he makes the tough decision and he says you know what guys there's nothing we can do we can't get it out um everybody grab a shovel um and let's we're going to do the humane thing we're just going to we're just going to bury him we're just going to bury him he, he can't keep suffering like this and so everybody starts to shovel a bit of dirt shovel a bit of dirt shovel a bit of dirt and after a little while the the farmer takes a look down in the well and he sees something quite remarkable he literally sees that on every single occasion as a little bit more dirt or soil is poured down the well and onto the back of this donkey what this donkey does is it shakes the dirt off and stamps the soil under its feet and as they pour more soil it shakes itself again and stamps its feet and pretty soon they begin to realize that actually what's happening is this donkey is actually coming up higher and higher and higher as they keep trying to bury it under opposition under persecution under attack he shakes brushes his shoulders off and stamps on every negative thought every negative comment every attack of the enemy and starts to come up a little bit higher and a little bit higher until eventually he's out until eventually he's out so what do you do how do you respond when you feel like man the way this year has started i just feel like just opposition persecution affliction trial tribulation i just feel like the weight of the world is coming on top of me you guys are going to remember this when you're eating your roast chicken do the silly posturepedic thing don't fear don't fret don't be anxious do the usher raymond thing and brush your shoulder off and realize who is in control realize who your source actually is realize who's actually standing in your corner realize that compared to your problem how great your god actually is realize that com- compared to this temporary moment of affliction this light passing trouble who the king of kings and lord of lords is 
who's actually standing behind you and who's actually got your back. Can we do that this morning? Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you so much. Let's all stand. Hallelujah, Jesus. What can we expect as Christians who live in this world? Remember the scripture says we, we're in this world but we're not of this world. So what can we expect as, as followers of Jesus? If you follow Jesus, you can expect that you will face suffering. You will face passing trouble, distress and perplexity. Sometimes you will feel backed into a corner and sometimes you may think that God has forgotten you. But if you hang in there, if you hang on just a little while longer, what you will see is a manifestation of God's power at work in your situation and in your circumstance. And though you may even be broken by life, out of that brokenness will come the fragrance of Christ himself. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, Father, we declare to you this morning that Lord, we will not, we will not be destroyed. We will not be utterly defeated. Hallelujah, Jesus. We will not cause ourselves to, to slip into hopelessness and despair. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are confident in this one thing that no matter what we go through no matter what we face no matter what life throws at us we are never alone we are never abandoned we are never forsaken you are always with us Jesus you lead us you keep us you guide us and so Father God I bring these your people before you this morning and Lord I pray even as they go through the the normal day-to-day -day things of life the normal stuff of life even as life happens at work, even as life happens at varsity, even as life happens in their businesses, even as there may even be some here who work in, in government institutions where life is happening in a very big way, where their institutions are being put on the spotlight, as Mr. Agrizi continues to testify. Lord Jesus, even as stuff happens around them, Maybe, Lord, maybe even for some of them, it's really epic type of stuff. It's really 100-year floodline type of stuff. Lord Jesus, even when they, even when we feel struck down, I pray, Lord God, that you'd constantly bring back to remembrance for us that, Lord, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And that you are a good, good father. Hallelujah, Jesus. Your goodness, your love, your mercies know no end. You are the father of mercies. You are the God of all comfort. Remind us who you are, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And as we go to sleep, cause us to dream sweet dreams. Cause us to see visions, Father. Cause us to receive God type of ideas 
Hallelujah, Jesus, that will transform our very lives. Cause us to sleep easy, Lord Jesus, no matter what type of mattress we're sleeping on. May we know that we know that we know that we know that you are always with us.